Well, I want to just take a moment to thank Pastor Gaddis and this church. This conference has been refreshing and encouraging, uplifting. Whew. The unsung heroes babysitting the babies and setting up tables and, and mopping floors and oh my soul and the food you, you people fix. Oh my word. Wow. It's amazing. But the love that you show and the prayers that you offer to God for us. It's a blessing. Michelle said the day as we were driving over, she said, I'm sad the conference is over. I said, yeah, it went by so quiet, so fast, so quickly. But she said, it's, she said, this church, it's always like coming home. I said, yeah. And I'll tell you, I told Brother Mass tonight, I said, I always bring a hanky when I come here because I cry through the song service because it lifts up God. It glorifies God. My wife said tonight, she said, Southwest is like a little slice of heaven. As good as it's been here, can you imagine what it's going to be like there? When, when we get to sing praises to God in person. Who? Oh, doesn't get any better than that, man. When we get to bow down before Christ and confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, it doesn't get any better than that. Whew. But I thank you so much for being such a blessing to us as missionaries. I know every missionary here has been blessed and encouraged and strengthened. Thank you, thank you. Take your Bibles and turn, if you will, to 2 Samuel chapter 23. We're gonna look at two passages about the same battle tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses nine and 10. And then we'll look over at 1 Chronicles chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 9 and 10. And it says, And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Aholhite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. Now turn to second, uh, First Chronicles chapter 11, please. We'll read the rest of, about that battle. First Chronicles chapter 11. Verses 12 through 14. First Chronicles 11. Verses 12 through 14. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Aholhite, who was one of the three mighties. He was with David at Pastamim. And there the Philistines were gathered together to battle, where it was a parcel of ground full of barley. And the people fled from before the Philistines. And they set themselves in the midst of that parcel and delivered it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord saved them by a great deliverance. Thank you. you may be seated. We have here an account of a battle. A battle that happened many, many years ago about a man by the name of Eliezer. His name means God is my help. I like that. God is my help. Now the battle took place, at, uh, it took battle, this, this battle took place at, at a location that was familiar to David. It was at the other end of the valley from where he defeated Goliath many years before. 
This place called Pastamen literally means border of blood. It was an invasion route for the Philistines when they would come in to steal, to rape, pillage, and plunder, and then go back to their territory. Now, it was territory given to Israel by God. But the Philistines wanted it. But they would come in, not when the farmers were plowing the fields, not when they were planting the seeds. They would come in when the harvest was ready. They were coming in to steal the harvest. That's what they were doing. Now, David, the king, the leader of the army, led his army to fight against the Philistines. But there was a problem. The army of Israel fled. They ran from the field of battle. They abandoned that place. Oh, no, it's just barley. It's not even my barley. I'm going to fight and die for somebody else's barley? That's the poor man's crop. Yeah. There was some poor farmer whose family was going to starve if the Philistines stole that food. But Eliezer stood. Eliezer said, no. Eliezer said, hey, I don't care if it's just barley. This ground is a gift from God. This territory belongs to the Lord God, Jehovah. And he gave it to us and it's our responsibility to defend it against what the enemy wants to take. Now, <laughs> I like what, what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 23. Eliezer defied the Philistines. That literally means this is not yours. And you're not going to get it without a fight. He stood and he said, no. I'll tell you what, I hate bullies. I just hate bullies. They come in and they think because of their size or their number that they're going to get what they want. Until an Eliezer stands up and says, no. No. <laughs> hey, 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 Jew, you're all alone, man. Your army ran off. Why don't you join them? This harvest is now ours. You know what the world's doing today? They're trying to come in and take what God's given us. They come in and try to steal your children's innocence. They come in and try to steal your teenager's purity. They try to get in your marriage and tell you, look, God's, God's plan for the home is abuse. You got to do it our way. They come in and they try to tell our churches how we can worship. What we can say and what we can't say. Look, let me tell you something. The Bible declares it and it's truth. It doesn't matter what the world defines it or not. God's truth is eternal truth. Now, wait just a minute, missionary. <laughs> you might have jail. You might have prison. We might take away your, your possessions. Okay. Because this isn't my home anyway. I got a home in heaven and you guys can't touch it. Yeah. 
But the world's coming in. And they always come in to steal the harvest. Always. Why is it when we labor and labor for years and we win a handful of people, the one? Why is it then that's when they come in? Oh, well, you don't know the whole gospel. Well, you don't know the whole. Oh, your preacher, he's one of those those hard nosed right wingers. We'll tell you the whole truth. Yeah. Why is it that the world wants our children? Hmm? Because Satan knows the potential of every single one of those lives. Can you imagine these little boys 20 years from now? Preachers, pastors, missionaries. You think about the potential just on this front row right here. Hey, I guarantee Satan has. And that's why he's trying to destroy every one of them right now. Oh, the enemy comes in. They come in after the work's done. When the harvest is ready to be reaped, that's when they show up. Because they want to steal what God has given his people. But Eliezer said no. (laughs) The Bible says he arose. That literally means to take a stand. Literally to say, no retreat. I will not take one step back. I am standing on this ground and I will fight and if need be, die. Before I will give up one square inch of what God has given us. And the Bible says he smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. That literally means he was at utter exhaustion. Ask your pastor if he's ever been weary. Ask him if he's ever been utterly exhausted. A Sunday night, he's labored and labored and labored and labored, and the enemy has fought and fought and fought. Ask him if ever he's been exhausted to the point where he can't even put one foot in front of another. Ask the missionaries. Man, I'll tell you what, it happens. It happens all the time because there is a battle out there. You know, we have this misconception about Satan. Oh, he's mischievous. No, he's evil. He's not going around pulling pranks on people. He's trying to destroy lives. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. You ever watch one of those nature shows with a lion? When they kill that little, little lamb or antelope? Is there any regret in that lion's face? Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Is that what he does? Man, he just chomps down on that thing and starts feasting away. He gets done, he licks his lips, and he walks off and looks for the next one to kill. That's Satan. He hates God. He hates everything God is. He hates God's word, and he hates God's people. He's an enemy that's unrelenting and will not give up until Jesus Christ defeats him and throws him into the lake of fire. But you know something? He's already a defeated enemy. Let me say that again. He's already a defeated enemy. Jesus said, I've already come the world. When he rose from the dead, Satan was done. Think about that. Yeah. The battle gets weary, but it is a battle. It's not playtime. 
It's not a, a high school wrestling match. It's for life and death. And the enemy's kind to come in and steal the harvest. But the harvest is the Lord's. And it's our responsibility, like Eliezer, to say there is no retreat, no matter the cost. We will stand and fight until utter exhaustion, if need be. But we will not cede territory that God has given us. We will not give up the harvest without a fight because it belongs to God. And it's our responsibility to reap the harvest, not the enemies. But I like his reaction to his to his exhaustion. Second Samuel 23 verse 10 tells us his hand clave unto the sword. He fought so long and so hard, gripping that sword and fighting the enemy that he could no longer turn it loose. Oh, I love that. Because, hey, we have the sword of the spirit right here. And let me tell you something. Every one of those missionaries and this pastor here, they know we have to cleave to the sword because that's the only thing that's going to fight and win the battle. (laughs) It's, It's not our wisdom. It's not our abilities. It's God's word that's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. He fought. He fought until utter exhaustion, until his hand clave to the sword. It became one with that sword. And that's exactly what you and I should be doing today. We should be spending so much time in God's word that people can't tell the difference anymore. We should be dying to self on a daily basis so that Christ can live through us and so that others don't see us because who are we? We're just sinners saved by grace, but they should be seeing our wonderful Savior. What's the hope of the nations? Man, it's not Mark Hale. Oh, come on. The hope of the nations is Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And we have His Word, His eternal Word perfectly inspired and perfectly preserved for us today. And guess what? There's not one error in it. I get tired of these little morons out there saying, yeah, the Bible has translational errors. Show me one. I remember years ago, I was in the airport long before the days of cell phones. So I wasn't, you know, reading my Bible this way. I had my Bible out. This one. Minding my own business at the gate, waiting for my flight to be called. This guy with his eyes a little too close together. (laughs) He walked by and he did a double take. And he said, is that the Bible you're reading? Yeah. He said, why would you read that book? It's full of errors. And I said, have you ever read it in an equally loud voice? He said, well, no. I said, then shut up. I gave him my Bible. I said, show me one. (laughs) Yeah. I love these guys with more letters in their name than in their names. You know, it's like, oh, I'm so intelligent. I have education. 
And the first thing they do is tell us that God is not capable of inspiring and preserving his word for us. Really? This is the God that created the world in six days with just saying it. You think he can't preserve his word? Get real. But that's the enemy. They want to come in and undermine the foundation. Young people, you can't trust the Bible. It's full of errors. Lies, lies, lies. And we know where that comes from. The enemy. Whispering, you can't trust the word of God. Whispering, you can't trust God. Lies. Oh, they don't just attack physically. Man, they attack mentally. They come in and try to make you doubt God. They try to make you doubt that God loves you. And let me tell you something. That's not just with lost people. There are times when I felt like God had abandoned me. I felt like I was all alone. Was I? No, I wasn't. Can you trust your feelings? The world tells us you can. Trust your feelings. What you feel is reality. Uh, What I feel a lot of times ain't reality, let me tell you. (laughs) But man, we can trust God. And we can trust his word because it's perfect and it's eternal. Isn't that great? Hey, the world can try to burn as many Bibles as they can. They can try to make as many polluted translations as they can. But guess what? Jesus said, my words will never pass away. That's the God we serve. But the enemy, he tries to come in and he tries to steal the harvest. He tries to undermine our faith. He tries to get us to doubt our Savior. Belazer, he had the right reaction. He held on to that sword. He became one with that sword. And that's exactly what you and I need to be doing. As the world gets darker and more hostile, we need to be cleaving to God and his word. Now, what was the Lord's reaction to Eliezer cleaving to his sword? Well, it says the Lord wrought a great victory that day. The Lord. You see... It doesn't matter how many of us there are because he is sufficient. You know, a lot of times the world, they, they, they get the crowds together, the mobs together. Oh, it's just a peaceful protest. And they think there's strength in numbers. But there's one. And that's all there's, that's, that's all that's needed. Because he's the almighty creator of the universe. I'll be honest. There are times as a missionary, you feel alone. There are times when you feel overwhelmed. City after city, village after village with no gospel witness. And I get maybe 20, 25 years left. And I think, dear God in heaven, how am I going to reach them all? I don't have enough time. I don't have enough life left. Who's going to go? Who's going to tell these people? I know they don't like to hear. Portuguese say, we, we have enough. We have Catholicism. We have our traditions. But they need Christ so much. Portugal's not the only country. Talk to every one of these missionaries. They'll name 20 cities with no gospel witness. 
Hundreds of villages with no gospel witness. It's not just limited to Portugal, it's everywhere. You go to Oklahoma City. Man, you got a lot of Baptist churches here, but you got a lot of lost people here too. And they all need to hear about Christ. The Lord gave him a great victory that day. The Lord wrought a great victory that day. Why? Because he saw the faithfulness of Eliezer, who stood and said, no retreat, who stood and said, this is God's territory. This is God's harvest and I will not surrender it. Even if it cost me my life. That was Eliezer. And he stood. His name, yeah. God is my help. Yep. Yep. So God gave a great victory. What was the people's reaction to Eliezer's stand? Well, they came back to spoil. Don't you just love it? This guy stands and fights. And the tradition in Gentile and Jewish culture was the guy that killed the enemy got to take the spoils. Go through his pocket and get the gold and silver. If he had a good weapon or armor, you take it. Oh, no, these guys ran from the field, but they didn't run far, did they? They were close enough that they could come back after the battle was over and spoil. Whoa. You ever have that? I have. God gives victory and someone swoops in and takes credit for it. And boy, we can get our feathers ruffled, can't we? That's just not right. I remember for years in Lithuania, we labored alone. Man, it was hostile. It was dangerous. And it was unfruitful. Four years, eight months, and six days before we had our first soul saved. No one wanted to come visit us then, did they, Michelle? No one was interested. They said, nah, he's had his head bashed in. He's been sliced up. I don't think I want to go visit there. Until we started having souls saved. Till we had that first church established. And then all of a sudden, hey, Brother Mark, we'd like to come for a visit. Of course, we'll bring our camera, take lots of photos. Look what we're doing. Look. Uh. Yeah, come on. I got something waiting for you. I call them leech ministries. You know, they don't want to do the work. They just want to glom on and take credit. But you know what? Eliezer didn't react. You notice that? He didn't respond. He didn't say, wait, that's my spoil. I fought the battle. You don't see Eliezer doing that. Why? Because God was his help. Because he knew the Lord wrought the victory, not him. But I want us to see something in conclusion. First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 14. And they set themselves in the midst of that parcel and delivered it and slew the Philistines. They, who's they? You go back to verse 13. He was with David. You see, Eliezer was never alone. His king was with him. You think about that. Eliezer's made a stand, but he wasn't alone because his king had his back. And every missionary here, your pastor here, every preacher here, every Christian here, you don't stand alone. You never stand alone. Why? Because you have the Lord with you every step of the way from the moment of salvation until he comes for you. 
Oh, you may be fighting alone. You may be having people run from you. You may have, hey, you know, that's just not a battle we want to fight. That's just barley. Give it up. It's just little areas. It's not that important. And when you don't surrender, when you don't retreat, when you don't flee, they do. And you're left alone. But you're not alone because your king is with you. You think about that. Let that sink in. Yes, we labor in hard places. Yes, you labor in hard places, but you never labor alone. Yes, we fight. Yes, we get weary, but he gives us strength. There are times we don't know what to do. We don't know which direction to go, and he gives us guidance. There are times when we have no answers for people's problems, but he gives us his wisdom. Listen, King Jesus, he's with us every step of the way. And he has overcome the world. Yeah, it looks dark. Man, the United States has gone through some really dark times recently. And it looks like the bad guys have won. The Philistines are everywhere. And they're coming in to steal the harvest. But guess what? Our king's still here. He didn't flee the field of battle. He didn't say it's just barley. Give it up. He said, this is territory that I gave you. Take the stand because I'll stand right there with you. And and if you're killed, (laughs) you wake up in heaven. You go from walking on dirt to walking on gold. You go from seeing the the face of your enemy to seeing the face of your Savior. There's nothing to fear for us. Not that I'm going to go out and step in front of a bus. But when God's ready, man, I'm ready. Whenever he's ready to say, Mark, your battle's done. Come on home. I'll say, yes, sir. We need Eliezer's. We need Eliezer's who, first of all, and, and foremost, know God is my help, not man. Not man. 2008 was a bad year for us. That's when the crisis hit. We lost almost 25% of our support in a matter of months. Dear Brother Mark, we love you, but. Dear Brother Mark, we know it's hard there, but. Ciao. It's been great knowing you. Hope you make it. God bless you too. I know what Eliezer felt like. When you're standing there and you're watching the guys that you fought with, the guys that you've gone into battle with numerous times turn and run. And you go, what's going on? Is God's hand shortened? What's going on? God's, because of recession, God's not on the throne? What, because of a lost election, God's no longer powerful? What, because the evil and the Philistines are all around us, all of a sudden God becomes weak? We don't need a crowd. We just need Christ. Oh, but so many times, so many times we look around and we're alone. They've left. They've surrendered this territory. They say, Brother Mark, 
Quit, quit focusing on the little things. Look, little things add up to big things. And when we start compromising in one area, we'll compromise in others. Ask any, anybody that's, that's baked bread. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And when you introduce it, it'll spread and contaminate everything. People get frustrated with me sometimes in Portugal. Brother Mark, would you quit being so hard-nosed? I'm not being hard-nosed. I have God's word, and I don't have the authority to change it. It's his church, so I don't have the authority to change it. I am his servant, and I don't have the authority to tell him no. If you don't like where I am, show me from Scripture where I'm wrong. But I'm not interested in what your movement or what your organization or what your group thinks. I'm interested in what God says. But guess what? That's not going to make you a lot of friends. Matter of fact, it's going to make you a lot of enemies. Enemies that were once fellow laborers who are now doing the same thing as the enemy, attacking. What's going on? Look, some people take their eyes off Christ and start looking at the world. They start looking at those Philistines and their armor and they go, you know, that looks pretty good. I like their style. I like the way they sound. I like the way they look. I like the way they march into battle. I like the way they steal other people's food. I like that. I want to be like the Philistines because they have success. Because they have numbers. Because look at that crowd. But where was the king? He was standing in that barley field with his lone soldier. And he fought. And God gave the victory. Missionaries, as you head out tomorrow to your various places of service, Christians, as you Go back to your daily routines of work and school. Remember this. The enemy is attacking constantly to steal the harvest. But it's our responsibility to stand with our king. To fight side by side with our king no matter the cost. Even if we die, we stand with our king. Because he's worthy of it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Just like to ask two simple questions today. If you're here and you say, missionary, to be honest, I've been coming to services here, but I'm not sure I'm saved. If I died in a car accident on the way home, I'm not sure that I'd wake up in heaven. Down here on the ground floor, is there anyone like that? Just raise your hand. I won't, I won't embarrass you. I won't call you by name. I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone like that? Missionary, I am not sure I'm saved. Anyone down here on the ground floor like that? Just lift your hand up, please. I'll pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else down here on the ground floor? I'm not sure I'm saved. Anyone else? Up there in the balcony. 
And he went up there. I'm not sure, missionary, that I'm going to heaven when I die. Anyone like that? If you raised your hand, would you just look up here at me? No one else. Just if you raised your hand, would you look up here right now? You mean business with God? There are people right now, men and women, waiting with God's word to show you how you can know you're going to heaven when you die. I'm going to ask you to do something difficult. I know it's a bit spooky, but would you just stand and come down? The first step is the hardest. Once you take that, the rest are easy. Would you come? If God's touched your heart and you say, missionary, I'm not sure I'm saved. Satan wants you to stay in your seat. He wants you to leave the same way you came because he wants you in hell with him. But don't let him. If God touched your heart, would you come? Okay, let me ask a second question. You say, brother Mark, I know I'm saved. I know Christ is my savior. But I have to admit, I haven't been an Eliezer. There have been areas where I have given up. There are areas that I've, I've just surrendered to the world. Areas where I have compromised. Areas where I have just surrendered and ceased fighting. But tonight, I want to raise my hand as a testimony to my God and my King. That tonight, I'm going to stand with my King. I'm going to stand with Christ, no matter the cost. I'm not going to give up territory. I'm not going to seed the harvest. Instead, I'm going to stand and fight where the Lord wants me to. I don't know where your barley field is, but God does. Whether it's on the mission field or right here in Oklahoma City. If you're like that, would you just raise your hand? I want to be an Eliezer. Praise God. Good. All over the auditorium, up in the balcony. Good. Praise the Lord. God sees those hands and God sees those hearts. And he wants you to stand with him. And he wants you to know that he is your help. Those of you who raised your hands, would you look up here at me right now? I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and come down to this altar and kneel before the God of all creation and say, I am yours. I want to be an Eliezer. I want to stand no matter the cost. I want to defend the territory, the harvest that God gave me. I want to stand so that I see lost souls saved. I want to stand so that Christ is glorified. I want to stand so that others can see Christ in me, the hope of glory. Would you come? Would you join these at the altar? Did God touch your heart before we sing the first word of the invitation? If God touched your heart, Oh, don't stay in your seat. Just come down here and kneel at this old-fashioned altar and say, Jesus, here I am. I want to stand with you. No matter where you have me, no matter what barley field you choose for me to defend, I want to be your servant and stand with you. As we sing the first verse of the invitation hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. If God's touched your heart, would you come?